A father says he's home. Have you got something in your house that you never use but you don't want to throw it away? Have you got something, you know, what if we, what if we do an audit of our clothes? And have you got clothes that you never wear? Or, you know, with your massive expensive wardrobes. Have you got things that you just never, you've got them, you just never use them? Have you got things around your life that you're just keeping it for a rainy day but that rainy day never comes that you kind of think to yourself I wonder if I should throw that away you know we've all heard stories of people haven't we of those who claim winning never claim winnings on inheritances or you know, have you seen that program on TV? Not that I watch daytime television. Um, that it's called uh, Inheritance Hunters or Hi- History Hunters or something. And there's lots of inheritances that aren't claimed. They have a team of researchers to go and get it. And I guess we've all had those kind of fable stories or those stories of somebody who wins the lottery and they don't claim it. And, and so the rich really but they're just living the same. We've all heard those stories. And if we're honest, we've made a villain out of the younger son in this story. We've made a villain out of him that he claims his inheritance quickly and he he claims it without thought. And if we're really honest, most of us will be probably a bit like the older brother who play it safe and just keep working and don't want to get in trouble and don't want to do anything wrong. But we're kind of just carrying on. In this parable, we see two mistakes. Can I say it like this? We see two sins. In this parable. The first one is, of course, we see a a younger son who claims his inheritance and doesn't act wisely and wastes all the good things that God wants to give to him. And uh, he wastes things. A bit like some of us sometimes when we've got good things right in front of us. And I don't know about you, but some things I've just let slip out of my fingers. I thought, oh, I've wasted that. And then the other sin that we see in this parable, some of the things that really bother us, is an older brother who was living and a part of things, but never actually enjoying it or claiming the benefit of it. I want to ask you a really important question today. It's a really important question. Now, even though we're using gender language, I want to say it it applies to everybody in this house. Which son are you? Are you the the son that, that kind of wastes the good things that God's given to you? Are you the son who is very dutiful, but you're not living in what God wants you to have? 
Charles Dickens said about this parable that it was the greatest short story ever written. He said that it encapsulates all the human condition of failing to enjoy life or wasting life. And that's our great dilemma is, am I getting everything that I want out of life or am I just letting life slip through my fingers? It tells us, this parable tells us how we can reject our lives, how we can run away from real life and what reception we can have when we return home. It tells us about a rejection. It tells us about a reception and a return. This, this youngest son, the prodigal, was sick of home and then he became homesick and then he was home sent. It tells us how life unravels and then kind of gets sewn back together but then that even though somebody who looks like they've got it all together isn't really living in the good of life. Which son are you? Are you, are you living in a, a kind of wasted type of life where God's got a great life for you, but you're treating the life of God as if it's nothing, living for yourself? As, you know, have you, have you kind of, you know, you've done the church thing and it's really boring and you've kind of put God in a little box and you've made a few little intellectual arguments that kind of stack up for you, but you've sort of said, no, I'm out of here, this is it. Or are you safe in the house and you're a good guy, you're a good gal, you're really just, everything about you is good, but you're just living dutifully, never really pushing the boat out, stepping out of the boat even, pushing things out and saying, I'm going to get everything that God's got for me. Even if that seems that it might make me a little bit strange. Have you got everything that God meant you to have? There's so much said about this parable. Hey, turn your Bible to Luke chapter 15. I think I'm going to read it to you. There could be so much said on this, but I'm going to just limit myself to two ideas. Are you there in Luke 15? Look at verse 11. And it reads like this. Jesus continued. He's telling some parables about lostness. He says, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to the fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And you have to understand that Jesus is is writing to a Jewish audience. 
And to the Jews, this was a disgusting example. It, it was just something that would turn their stomach to feed pigs. It was their most unholy animal and even to eat their food. It'd be like one of us saying, let me go down to Broad Street or, or one of the cities, uh, one of the streets in the center of our city and scrape some vomit off the, off the street. Am I making your stomach turn? Don't worry, your, your Sunday lunch is coming. It's coming up. You know, you know, it's like scraping something off the street, and it, that's what it meant to their hearers. It's like to our Italian people, that it's like a British person making pizza for you. <laughs> you know, we, we don't do pizza well. But I'm trivializing this because Jesus was very, very serious. And this example, it, it's like... It's like saying to a Nigerian, you cannot have any jollof rice for the rest of your life. <laughs> and get an English person to cook it for you. <laughs> Jesus, but, it, but it's less funny than that. It's kind of horrible what he's saying. When he came back to his senses, and there is a journey in your mind that you may have to make. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And I'm going to say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and if you were an older person in those days you never ran because it was seen as an undignified thing that old people were never supposed to run because it was undignified to do so in their culture you never ran if you were old and he ran to him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring him the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and his sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he, when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. You've never given me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes has come home, you've killed the fatty calf for him. My son, the father said, which son are you? My son, you're always with me and everything I have it's yours. Everything I have, it's yours. Somebody needs to hear that today. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother in yours was dead and he's now alive. He was lost and he's now found. I just want to just highlight two things. There's lots to say in this parable. But the mindset of the son that ran away is a mindset that detaches you away from your true destiny and spirituality. And secondly, the inheritance that belongs to you that's unclaimed is the tragedy of most Christians. The mindset that took the son away from the father was playing out long before he left. In fact, and he asks for his inheritance, he just fulfills what the book of Proverbs says in chapter 20. He says, an inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed in the end. But have a look in verses 17 through 19, and particularly 18 and 19. It says, the mindset is this, look, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he had to come to his senses. And I want to say to all of us today, there's a, there's a journey in our mind. There's something about coming to our senses that's really important. And that's a journey for most of us. You see, the mindset that has to make, first of all, a spiritual confession that, that kind of says, look, I've lived my life and I've not paid attention to the truth that's over all of us, that there is a God in heaven and he loves me. And the mindset that the first, the first son had to change his mind on was he came back and he said, I have sinned against heaven. I'm not talking about my father. I'm not talking about the life I've lived. It's between you and, and God that you have had to say, hey, I, I, I have not connected with you. And if you look into creation enough, and, and evolution will crumble. And, and if you look into your conscience and the, and the voice that's inside you, and, and if you look into consequences, creation, conscience, and consequences, these three things will drive you back to a God who loves you and says, look, will you just pay attention again? Come back. I love you. And in your mind... You have to make a spiritual confession where you say, I've broken that. And then he made another confession, which was a relational confession. And often what we do in our minds is that we, we live in a way whereby we break our commitments to others. In fact, the son had to say, Father, I've not only sinned against heaven, and there's lots of people in our world who say, yeah, I want to put myself right with God, and actually what you need to do is do that, but you've got to put yourself right with some other people as well. And he said, Father, I, 
I've sinned against you. And he came to his mind about his relational commitments. I know in our world today, and even on the news this week, it was kind of a a bit sad to me as as we've now just got no-blame divorces. And I know what people are trying to do. They are trying to say, we don't want people to break up acrimoniously or or fight over the children. And I get that. I get that there's a heart behind it. And And if you're in a situation like that. But at the end of the day, we have to say, you know, that kind of was some of that. I want to take my responsibility for it. And if you want to connect back to God, there may be some relational things that you have to say, that was me. God, by your grace, help me to heal that. I don't know what to say or to do, but at least I want to just say to you, help me to heal that. But you know, the third thing that I think was in the the son's mind who ran away is, is probably in the mind of lots and lots of people and lots and lots of Christians They had that self-confession, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And this is something that God never wants you to have. That that God wants you to understand that when he created humans, he created them in such a special way. Even humans that are broken and a long, long way from God, yes, They are lost, they are separated, but James tells us in the book of James chapter 3 verse 9 that that sometimes we praise some people and we curse other peoples and we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Can I tell you today that there's something special about you? There's a God touch in your life, no matter how flawed and broken it is, there's still something in there And that may not get you to heaven, but it's enough to make you different than animals, enough to make you special and unique, so that God says, you are mine. In fact, the psalmist cries out and says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm not just saying, oh, everybody's beautiful in their own way. Of course you've got some things that God needs to heal. In fact, we've all got things wrong that God needs to forgive, but yet... You might not think you're worthy of his grace, but because Jesus died for you, he gave his son to reach out to you in grace. So that in your mind, you could never feel so unworthy. You could never feel like you should never approach. And he wants you to come to him. So in your mind right now, whatever you've done, this unworthy confession closes you off from God, so stop doing it. God's grace is bigger than your feeling or even your unworthiness. And this son had to come to his senses and said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And actually, if you look at the verses close enough... His father never lets him finish the sentence after this and say, oh, just make me a servant. He cuts him off and says, I just want you home. And that's the other mindset that most Christians battle with, is I call it a slave confession. The son said it, make me a hired slave, and everything I deserve, it comes down to my hard work. You know, I feel like I should sing Destiny's Child, but I'm not going to. Okay, just so that you don't get worried. 
My money, I earned it. I spent it, my shoes, I bought it, my car, I earned it. All depends on me. Have you heard that song? It's pretty old now. All depends on me. These shoes, I bought it. That's a slave mentality. That song is meant to be this great statement of independence. It's actually a slave mentality that says everything depends on me. And actually, your heavenly father doesn't want you to feel owned and limited and kept and everything depends on you. You have to come to him and say, there are things that he wants to give you by his grace. Now, we're not saying anything about hard work or people standing on their own two feet and and being the responsible person. But in your mind, can you stop thinking like a slave? Where the only good happens because you do something to earn it. And all the while, the father is saying, come. Come and just belong. You can't earn everything that is coming to you. See, that's the first mindset. The mindset of a son that detaches himself or herself from God. They say, I'm not worthy. I'm only worthy of being a slave. Or or I'm going to... I don't call myself a slave, but I'm just working as if I am a slave. Because I think everything depends on me. And all the while God's saying, come home, I will shape your life. But the second thing about this parable that I notice is that there's an older brother who has everything there and never comes in the good of what he's been given. In verse 31, his father says, you are always with me and you can have everything. And lots of Christians and lots of churches will preach, oh, you need to claim your inheritance in God. And inheritance means that you rightfully claim what is rightfully yours because you belong to that family. And inheritance means that there is nothing that can stop you having this because by right you're in that family so you can have that. And lots of churches say, oh, you need to claim everything in God But what actually is our inheritance now? In the Old Testament, it was all about land and so on. But the first thing that you can claim that is yours now is that you have a secure place in God's family. You're not an asylum seeker in God's economy. You're not. In fact, in the book of Ephesians... It says that our inheritance, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may hope, that know the hope to which you've been called, the glorious of his richest inheritance in his people. You have a secure place in God's family. Everything that God has, he's saying, you're part of things. This means that you have a part and you can play a part. Being a part of God's family is your right and your inheritance because I didn't ask you in. The elders didn't ask you in. Jesus bought the price to make it so you could belong in. It doesn't depend on what anybody else says. 
It doesn't depend on whether you like the style of our worship or not. It depends on the fact that Jesus, in a week's time we're going to celebrate, stretched his arms open and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing right now, but this is for the good of the whole world. I pay for you to be in. So, by right... By inheritance, if you accept Jesus, you get to be in his family. How many of you feel like you don't belong in several areas in this world? You know, there are clubs you can't go to. There are people at work who you feel shut out of. Because you've accepted Jesus by right, inheritance, you get to belong in God's family. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The second thing, an important thing, of being part of that family means that you can get the blessings of being part of that family. You walk in freedom, the freedom that is, has directives according to his commands. You walk in forgiveness. And being part of that family means you have a purpose. The Bible says in him you're chosen. Being part of him means that you've got a security. In fact, God places inside of you the Holy Spirit. It's like a deposit guaranteeing you some more of the inheritance there is to come. If you feel lonely today, I want you to hear that by right you're part of God's family if you accept Jesus. The second part of the inheritance we need to claim right now is the Bible says that you have a part in God's kingdom. In Matthew, the end of the book there, he tells another parable. And he says, then the king came to all those and said on his right and on his left, come on his right, come, uh, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. You, by right, by inheritance, are a part of what God is doing under his rule. And your life counts for an eternal purpose by right so when churches preach say oh you need to claim your inheritance really what we're saying is make sure that you understand your part of the church make sure you understand that you have a part to play in what God is doing you what God is doing in this world you're not left out of it now, with it, that brings fulfillment, purpose, but it also brings sacrifice. It will drag everything out of you, but one thing will happen. Your life will not be wasted. By right, by inheritance, by God saying, well, if you're part of my family, have this. He's given you a non-wasted life. That's your inheritance. It's really important that you don't chase after the inheritances of this world where you're running after things that aren't going to bring you to where God wants you to be. You know, part of our inheritance, though, is that we get eternal life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, Into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, the inheritance is going to be kept in heaven for you. The fact that you will live forever. Now, as I say, in the Old Testament, all this was about land. It was about kind of children. But for you, it's about being promised an eternal place with God. It's about 
being promised a secure place in God's family and it's about being promised having a divine purpose in building his kingdom. A place, a promise, and a purpose. Can I say that in your spirit? You get to have a place in God's family. You are a part. Stop saying you're not. You have a promise of God's kingdom and that, you, that where God's going, you can go. And what God's doing, you can do it with him. And you have a purpose. That is walking in your inheritance. Now, those are big ideas. And so I just want to close today by just asking you a couple of questions or coaching you through. What would, how could we step in to the next thing that God wants for you? You see, some of you, the father is right there. He's got his arms out and he's got his hand out. And all you need to do is take out of his hand what he's offering. That strength, that love, that forgiveness, that purpose. All you need to do. How are you going to make that next step? Because these are big ideas. And lots of churches say, walk in the inheritance of God. And everybody goes, amen. And they walk out the door not knowing what they've got to do. Here's what to do. This is the next step for you. First of all, you need to ask yourself, put that on the screen, four questions. What do I need to fix? Is there something that I need, I know is broken in my life, and I'm going to ask God, could you fix this, please? Could you fix this, Lord? That relationship, that mindset, that attitude, could you fix this, Lord? Because there will be some things in all of our lives. I'm a broken person. And then as you fix what's broken, or should I more accurately say, as you allow the grace of God to fix that which you need, you can make that step into that purpose of God. What do you need to fix? Or is it more accurate to say, what do I need fixing by God's grace? Do I just need a little bit of openness and say, God, would you fix this? What do you need to find? What do you need? Is there something that you need to learn? Is there something that you need to say, you know, I don't think that, but I need to discover what that is. Perhaps you need to find today that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. He's deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. He wants to come alongside you as a helper all the time and say to you, I will help you. Why don't you find that help from the Holy Spirit? And actually, basically underneath all these questions is an openness for you to say, God, come and help me. What do you need to feel? You know, some people will say to me, Mark, why are you talking about feelings? Sure, we've just got to go on faith and God's word. And, that's, and that is all true. But is there a time out place that you need to, so that you can get your 
feelings right so you can start feeling right about things? Do you need to step back and say, I've been feeling bad about that and I want to take a step back so I can, with God, walk in some healing so that he can heal my feelings, recalibrate my emotions so I can begin to feel what I need to feel because sometimes it's our feelings that block us taking a step into what God has for us. Are your feelings out of whack? Come on, be honest with me. Did you come today and you're basically upset? And you've got feelings about something. You can't hear God's voice. And can I ask you to take a step back and just ask God, how do I need to feel about this, Lord? And if you're going to step into the purpose that God has for you, it's easy, isn't it, for people like me to say, oh, God's got a great plan for you and you're struggling day by day. And it's easy, isn't it, to say, oh, you're a part of God's family and isn't that great? And you think, well, what does that mean? If you're going to take a step into those big ideas, what do you need to forego? Is there a short-term choice? It's interesting, isn't it, in the parable that we read that he didn't forego anything, the younger son. And when the famine comes along, you see, you've always got to live in a margin because stuff happens that blows your plans out of the window. What do you need to forego? What do you need to say, okay, this is a quick choice. This is a long-term choice. I'm going to forego that so that I can make the long-term step. What do you need to fix? What do you need to find? What do you need to feel? I mean, really feel. And what do you need to put on the back burner? Because that which is in front of you, stopping you stepping into working in God's kingdom, really enjoying being part of his family, and it's spoiling who God wants you to be. And you know, the things that we need to forego, this is the bit where Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes you've got to make a sacrifice in order to get exactly where God wants you to be. Still focused, I wonder if you'd stand to your feet with me. I'm going to just ask the worship team just to come back. But this parable, it opens with a son who leaves and then comes back. But it closes with a son who never left, but refuses to come in. This parable opens with a son that leaves and then he comes back. But it closes with a son who's never left, but refuses to come in to all that God has for him. And so, if I can just be kind of, not emotional, but kind of, my heart connected to your heart just for a minute. If I can just urge you for a moment. And if, and if church can stop being just like nice and polite. And can I not be polite for a moment. Can I just ask you. Obviously I'll be gracious and polite. But can I just seriously with all my heart ask you. Which son are you? And if we can just be real for a moment. And if we can just drop the pretense and, and everything and, and just move past our social boundaries, which son 
Are you? Are you the son who has said, I've had enough. The church thing doesn't work. It's boring. I hate it. What's the thing with God? I need to live my own life. The independent spirit that says, everything depends on me. I don't need anybody or anything. And some of you are saying that even as Christians. Wrap it up in, oh, God takes care of me. I don't need to listen to anybody else. And it's the spirit of the first son that runs away. Actually, when you say that, you're running away. Or are you the second son that's just kept your head down and you're good? People depend on you, but secretly you take pride in that. And that actually you're part of the family, but it's just a routine, it's just a habit. You'd never really feel anything. And you're not walking in the good things that God has for you. He's calling you, he wants you to have more. And you look over at those people who seem free and you think, oh, they are dodgy. I don't want to get like them because they're a bit dodgy. And I'm not letting God have my emotions like that. And actually God is saying, to heal you I want to speak to you I want to give you I want to bless you I've got things for you all I ever have is yours you're right with me and all your doctrine and theology, you don't want to become one of those shallow Christians that's just into prosperity and success. And you want to know what the hard road is. And the Father's saying, I'll show you all that. But why don't you just come and drop your defenses for once in your life and just let me fill you? Just raise your hand with me. I'm not asking you to be weird, but just naturally supernaturally just ask God to fill you now and touch you with his love don't absent every single one of us to say God I want that I want what you've got for me say to you as a pastor of this church I want what God has I want I just so want him to have everything that he's got for BCC so right now in your prayers will you just pray and, and just say God I want everything come on lift your hand with me I want everything you've got for me God if you've never raised your hands in church before why don't you right now want everything Holy Spirit which son are you stop running away stop staying and doing nothing come to the Father We're going to sing a song. We're going to just worship. And it's a song that will give words to prayers. It talks about giving our lives away so he can use us. 
I want you just to sing it as a prayer. And in a few moments, I'm going to ask some of you if you just want some prayer about coming into everything that God has for you. Or at least just making that next step, that little step that says, I come to you, Lord. Thanks, Gina. I give myself away.